Everybody ready for some word today? Let's go to Luke chapter 11. Luke the 11th chapter. I want to continue with the series that we began a few weeks back. We're talking about the subject of desire. We're talking about seeking God. What are we looking for in life? What are we looking after? Who are we looking to? I want to begin with our our text in Luke chapter 11. Notice with me in verse 9. Jesus said here, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And so again, we see this principle from the Word of God that whatever we seek, it's that particular thing that we will find. Therefore, we must identify and choose intentionally what we are going to seek after, what we are going to live for, what we are going to fill our lives with, because ultimately that will be the result of what we get out of life. If I seek the wrong thing, I'm going to be full of the wrong thing, and it'll be the wrong thing that drives me and consumes my life. It'll be the only thing that gives me fulfillment. But if I get my heart set in the right area, in the right direction, everything begins to work out the way it's supposed to. And so the Lord Jesus again said, seek and you will, what? Find. Find. Does that apply to you? Yeah. What if you seek? Well, then you will find. So well, I got a bunch of people that want me, want certain things for my life. And it doesn't matter what someone else wants for your life. It doesn't matter what someone else wants you to do. It matters what you want, what you desire, what's in your heart. And if desires are not, again, like I've said before, but if desires are not correct, they can be changed. They can be altered. And you can want tomorrow what you don't want today. And you cannot want tomorrow what you really want today. I would encourage you, every one of us, to guard the desires of our heart. Don't let yourself be consumed with things that are wrong. Don't let yourself be consumed with things that are harmful and damaging. But let's set our hearts on the right things. Praise the Lord. Now, if you're, if you're new with us and you've been with us just for maybe a short time, you might wonder why I'm talking about the same subject week after week. Let me give you a little, just a little insight as to how we do things around here. As a general rule, I like to talk about a subject for a period of time. I'll take a series, and it might be three or four or five or six or ten parts to it. Uh, not really a specific number, but it's, th- this is not math class. This is not a class like you would take in school or at a university or something like that. This is spiritual truth. And these things do not work simply by memorization of Scripture, simply by understanding or memorizing a historical account of something. It is Bible truth that must be ingrained into our hearts. And the only way for that to happen is there must be an unveiling. There must be a, 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 what we call a revelation that takes place inside of us. And I have found that typically that can happen when you stare at something long enough. When you stare at, what do I mean by that? Look with expectation long enough, you'll see what God is saying to you. It will become real in your life. Then, at that point, it can be lived out, it can be acted upon, it can be used. And, and, And how many know there's a whole lot of people, a whole lot of Christians that know things right up here. They have a mental library full of Bible principles and scriptures and truths, but they don't use hardly any of it. 
when disaster strikes, when something hits a family member, when, when troublesome times come, they throw up their hands like, I don't know what to do, just like someone who doesn't know God. See, you can see that they all they have is a mental understanding. It's not been ingrained into their heart. And that's what we want to get to. Praise the Lord. And so where you just know, hey, you know, the green is right over there. The, the ball is right here. This is a nine iron. And you pick it up. And you not just be able to talk about it, but you can actually pick it up and use it and put the ball where it's supposed to go. That's a working knowledge. If we don't have that working knowledge of the grace of God, then what good is it? If I, if I don't have a, a working knowledge of God's word, his grace, his spirit, his power, his gifts, and how I just go through life just like everybody else except for I go to church and give 10% of my income, then, <laughs> then we're missing something here, Right? Come on, God is alive, He is all-powerful, and He wants to do something in you so that you happen to this world. It doesn't happen to you. Praise the Lord. All right, now let's go back to some desire. Anybody want any of this? I tell you what, it's good stuff. I'm telling you, I've tasted, I've seen, the Lord is good. And, uh, and we can have uh, Him and more of Him in, you know, in experience in our lives if we'll simply seek after Him. If we'll simply set our heart and mind on the things of God. Now, go with me to Philippians, the second chapter. That'd be a right turn from where you were. Galatians, Ephesians, pull over at Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. And this is a very, very powerful scripture that has stirred my heart for really many years. But this week in particular... I want to get into this a little bit more. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, it reads, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, now, just a side note there. How many know there's a difference between work out and work for? How many know the Lord is never telling us to work for our salvation? He's not telling you if you'll be a better person, then you'll go to heaven. If you'll just work hard and do more good things, you'll knock on some doors. And if you'll give lots of money and if you'll pray a lot and do these things, then you'll be accepted. No, God will never tell you that. That's a religion talking there. That's not the grace of God. He will never tell you to do more so he'll love you, so he'll accept you. Huh? Salvation is something that is received freely as a gift. And then the, 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 the next step is our part, and that is we are to work it out. In other words, what we've received on the inside by God's goodness, by His grace, we are to work out into our lives until your salvation affects your mind, until your salvation affects your physical health, your body, your emotions, your relationships, your finances, your, 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 your everything, your dreams, your goals, your, your desires. And that's what we're getting at here. Your salvation is supposed to affect you in every area of life. Now, he said, verse 13, for it is God... Who works in you. Say it out loud. God works in me. Say it. God is working in me. Believe that so? Say, oh no, God already worked in me. Well, I know that he worked in me too. But it seems that there is a continual, ongoing work of God in my life. And in every believer's life. It is God who works in you. So notice again. He said, work out your own salvation in other words, you work it out because it's God who works in you. So any working out that I'm doing, I'm not doing by myself. 
I'm not doing this on my own where I'm just trying to stir up something good. No, I'm working out because God works in me. Every work that I do is a response to the work that He is actively doing in me. So, so never, are, never are we alone. Never are we on our own. Never are we trying to, to, to produce something in our own strength, in our own effort, in our own energy. And if you find yourself going that route, quit. Totally, like, really, give up. <laughs> wave the flag, not to the enemy, not to life, not to the world, but wave it to God and say, uh, you know, I give up, I quit, this is not, not working, I'm not going to try anymore. But will you work in me? And bam, you'll see the grace of God flow. All right. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do, for His good pleasure. Notice that God is working on our wanter. He, he, he's working on our will. I think this is a powerful thing because what you want is huge. What you want in life drives your activity, your actions, what you spend your money on, what you give your time to, what you want. God is working inside of you, present tense, right here, right now, so that you will want what you're supposed to want. You will want things that bring Him pleasure. So I just want to please God. This is not hard to figure out. Why? Because He is actively working in us so we will want the things that bring Him pleasure. Yeah. Amen. And so this is one of the revealed mysteries of the new covenant that God works in us, not on us. God's just been pounding on me. God's just been working on me. Well, not really. God's really been working in you. He's working in Why Why is He working in me? Because He's not forcing us. If He was working on me, I would have my arm up back on my back and it's being twisted and God would be trying to get me to do something. But God works in me so that I have a want to do what He wants me to do. Does that make sense? And so the end result of my obedience to God is not simply uh, or is not strictly out of a, ah, I have to. Man, it's amazing. I'm doing this. I'm obeying God. I made that step of faith. But I like it. But I want to do this. How did he do that? You ever heard the leadership principle that a strong leader will get other people to do what, what they want them to do? Because they, I forget how to say that. It basically, if you're, let me try this, I'll try it again. If you're a good leader, you get people to do what you want them to do because they want to do it. I think I said that right. Really, that's the way God works. Yeah, there's some, yeah, there's some submission going on in our lives. Yes, we lay our, our will down like Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will but yours be done. But ultimately, why would someone lay their will down to the will of God? It's because there is a greater desire in a person to please Him. A greater desire to do what He wants us to do. And we don't do this out of obligation or fear of rebuke or fear of judgment. But truly, God works in us to do what we're supposed to do. So someone might think, well, that's just an automatic. Then I'll automatically always want to do the right thing. Well, God doesn't force our will. And 
when God works in us, we just simply have to get to a place where we yield to Him and where we give place to those desires. And that's what we're talking about. God actively working in us so that we want to do what pleases Him. He is right now putting the proper want to in your heart. Let's yield to it. If we do, if we let it grow and develop, it can become a full-blown passion of your life. And it's not destructive and it's not harmful, but it is something that God desires and it produces life in your life. Could it be that every good thing that God has done in your life up to this point has been a result of Him working in you to want it? I I really believe that's the case, even though there was, uh, you know, minimal response to that. Uh, I really believe that, that, that the reason I want good things is because God wanted me to want them first. Now, say, well, that, what does that mean for the person who's not wanting good things? <laughs> well, we must give place to it. We must give place. There, there's, a, there, there's a principle that, that's, that's true that, that people don't on their own. Because by, by physical nature, if, you, if I could say it that way, people are selfish. Why would someone want to give to someone else? Why would they want to serve someone else? Why would they want to? It's the work of God in someone's heart that makes them selfless. It's the work of God in someone's life that causes them to seek the Lord. It's the work of God in someone's heart that moves them to be in church, to pray, to give, to do all these different things. By ourselves, we just simply wouldn't choose that. Well, I just decided to come to church today. Just see, No, you didn't. No, it was God who was at work in you. And you are to receive credit in this regard. You responded. You yielded. You gave place to the work of God, moving of God in your life. But on an ongoing basis, you and I would choose things that don't work every time. We would choose failure. We, not, we wouldn't choose to fail, but we would choose things that bring failure. But God works in us in a special way. I like the amplified version of uh, verse 13 here. It says, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Say it out loud with me. God is working in me now. Amen. He worked in us and we decided to seek him. We had the right desire and the fulfillment of that desire came. Remember, Jesus said in one place, he said, uh, no one comes to the Father except that he draws him. Except that he, that he draws him. And, uh, and then, by the way, the Lord draws people that reject him too. The Lord sometimes draws people, stirs a desire in their heart, and they say, nah, I'm not going to yield to that. I'm not going to listen to that. That happens on a regular basis. But God in His mercy and His grace still works in a person to draw them. He works inside of them to pull them close, to pull them close. You watch. You try to backslide. If you're, if you're saved, go ahead. I mean, I don't want you to, but if you want to test it out. When you get going the wrong direction, you get real uncomfortable. I'm talking to a believer now. I'm, ta- I'm talking who is a, a person who is righteous by nature. Righteous by the righteousness of God in Christ. You start going the wrong way, you'll become miserable. 
until you can push it down hard enough and long enough to where that voice gets so small that you can override it continually. It's called the searing of a conscience. There's other things that are happening there. Uh, but, but that's the grace of God that won't let you do it. Won't let you. It's the grace of God that will ruin a good trip when you start, when you start magnifying natural things above eternal things. It just won't have that same pleasure anymore. But something about being with Him, oh, being in His grace, being in His presence, doing the work of God, it'll stir your heart and give you such delight. And uh, again, people on the outside won't really get this. You know, Matthew chapter 11, Jesus made this statement here, and I, I want to read this from a, a paraphrase. It's the, it's the message Bible. And uh, I, I want to read this, so you, unless you have that, uh, you won't really connect with what I'm saying exactly. But in Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 28, Jesus said here, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Don't, Don't you like that? What are we supposed to do with the Lord? Walk with him. Why? Because he's working in us. What should we do with him? We should work with him. Not just work. Work with him. There is always a grace. There is an ability of God that works in us. And if we'll yield to that, we can work with God. There is a desire that he is placing. He's working on our want to working on our wanter on the inside, if we'll yield to that, there is a grace that flows with it. I can resist and go against it, but that's a hard life. I can try to do it on my own. That's a hard life. That's a difficult way to live. But if I will walk with Him, if I will work with Him, if I will watch how He does it, then I've entered into an ability of God that will transform my heart's desires and really govern then what I'm going to seek. What I want is what I'm going to go after. It's what I'm going to pursue, what I'm going to seek for, seek after in my life. Again, when we deal with the challenges in life, I have a question for you. Where do we turn? Where do you turn? It's the question of where does your help come from? All of us need help at some point, at some time. We need help. Where do you get yours from? Where do you get your help from? More specifically, where do you look? Or to whom do you look to get your help? Does it matter to God where we look? Does it matter to Him if I get help from this other person, or if I get help from him directly, or if I get help from... Does that make sense? I really believe it matters to him. This is a relationship. It's, it's kind of like a, a parent wants their children to be able to come to them for help. If my children are in trouble, my children are in dire straits and they have need, I don't want them going to someone else. If my kids go visit one of their friend's parents or something and they ask them for help, I'm not going to be happy about that. Why? You need help? You come here. 
You need help in your life. You need direction. You need resource. You know, you need food. You need clothes. You come here. That's my job in your life. Does that make sense? It's, it's like a, a marriage relationship can work this way as well. Uh, how many know there are, there are some needs within a married couple's life that should only be fulfilled by their spouse? And if they go somewhere else outside of that relationship to get what they need, that's a violation of that covenant. It's a violation of that person's trust. You say, well, as long as they get their needs met, what's it matter? I'm just happy as long as my spouse has all their needs met. <laughs> no, <laughs> that is not how that works. <laughs> I would rather your needs be unmet. <laughs> and I'm not just talking in one obvious area. Of physical stuff. I'm talking really in, in other areas as well that should be contained within that relationship. And there is this truth in our relationship with God that we are only to go to Him. And when we are looking everywhere else for the sustaining of our lives, our lives for our needs to be met in various areas, it's an issue. He doesn't want us going there. He doesn't want us looking to this world. We belong to Him now. We're in covenant with Him. We have this relationship. We're supposed to only look in one place when we need help. But to some, God is so unreal. He's so distant. He's so untouchable as far as their experience. When they need something, they go natural. They go to the world. They go to this physical realm. And God's not pleased with that. He's working in you. He's working in me so that whatever I need, whatever time of the day, whatever the hour, I immediately, without a second thought, I go to Him. Because He is my help, my strength, my joy, my peace, my healer, my finance, my everything. That's the way it's supposed to be. So, putting this into some practical outworkings, I just want to throw out a few examples and, and, and consider consider these things. If you need direction in your life, I just need to know what to do. I need to know where to go. I need to have decisions to make. Where do you go? To whom do you turn? Many times, again, people look directly to the natural world. Uh, There are some situations where um, people look to uh, things that are strictly forbidden in Scripture Because God is directly opposed to them. You know, Christians should not be involved with things like astrology. I need to know what kind of day I'm going to have. And so they look up their stuff in the, wherever that stuff's at. And uh, let's see, and honestly, I don't even know what those things say because I've never looked at them and I refuse to. (laughs) But people look and they're going to look to the stars to find out what to do. Uh, some people they 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 go to, they go to this uh, you know spiritual stuff, palm readers and what what do they call those uh, psychics and and uh, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you might be surprised to know this, and, and I imagine some of you do know this, but there are different countries. Um, I know from our friends from uh, South Africa and stuff that that Christians are tempted 
in those situ- in those countries that if they need healing, they go to witch doctors. And uh, say, so why would they do that? I mean, that certainly doesn't work. Actually, they get, they get results, and people get healed. But it's a violation of the covenant they have with God. And one sad thing is that is, is, is that you go to many churches have put away their connection with God in regards to natural needs like that. And people are told God doesn't heal and God doesn't do all this kind of stuff. And so there's no help in the church. You know how many thousands of churches even in our country are totally dead when it comes to the power of God? They don't have a clue about that. And so we don't see a whole lot of that in our country. But in other countries, people are going to witch doctors. And they know they're violating their conscience when they go. Because, uh, you know, again, that's not who we're supposed to seek. You know, and but in our country, people watch the TV shows. Don't watch those. Let me just encourage you. This is, this is just pastoral guidance and wisdom. Don't be dumb. Uh, <laughs> don't watch those shows where someone's talking to a... I, I see your, your, your dead grandma. Does she have a blue sweater or something? And uh, that's not where our help comes from. For one, that's not the real deal anywhere. There are no dead people walking around on the earth. There are only spirits. Bible calls them familiar spirits. They are familiar with people who have passed away. And sometimes people are in touch with the wrong spirit and they're finding information. They're gathering information. But it's not the will of God. It's only, it's because we've been trained that we can't hear the voice of God. It, we've been trained that, 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 that to know God's will is always a mystery. To get answers and direction is always just a mystery. and You can never know and figure out what God wants to do. That's a bunch of baloney. We have been trained wrong for so many years and we need to have our minds renewed. God is working in you to want to have a fellowship with Him that is so real where you know what He's saying to you. Where you recognize His voice and follow His leading. When you need direction in life, do you immediately run to a person? Do you run to a counselor? Do you run to a... I mean, listen, even, do you just immediately run to a pastor? I'm not saying God can't use different people to speak through them. He certainly can. But where is your help coming from? Where, where do you look? This, re, this is a key to our relationship with God. When it comes to provision in your life, when you have, have need, financial need, food need, material need, where do you look? We're trained in our country more and more. It's happening every day. Look to the government. Look to, look to someone, look to a, a, an agency. There, is there a program? Is there something out there that can help me? Man, you're a Christian. Man, you have made Jesus the Lord of your life. What in the world are you doing allowing that process, that thought process to govern you? I have need and I'm just going to look here. I'm going to look to this person. Is God weak? Has His arm been shortened? Is he unable to reach down and move in your life? Let's start to give him the place that he, he deserves. Give him the place that he is supposed to hold. Amen. I, I could say things, I tend to say things that sometimes uh, can be a hiccup. But, uh, but I just have to say things anyway. You, you, know, you know, one of my jobs is, is, is to not just make everyone comfortable with the way things have always been, but to jar them into a new level of living. So if I say things now and there that bug you, I did it on purpose. 
And, it, and it's not because I don't like you. It's because I do like you. And, uh, and, if, and if you don't like what I'm saying, then, then fine. But uh, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but we need to make God our source. All right? And, and I don't believe it is, a, it is a good practice for a Christian to be on welfare. I thought it might get quiet. <laughs> oh, are you, what are you saying? I, I, I'm saying exactly what I'm saying. I'm not t- saying if you are that you should go cut it off immediately. But immediately there should be a heart change on the inside where you begin to make God the source of your life. To where that you get to a place where you're not dependent on man to sustain you. You're not dependent on a program, on a handout from someone. God wants to be your provider. He wants to be your financier. This country is going that way so fast, so much, becoming so dependent uh, on, on government or someone to give them a handout. That's not the will of God. He wants to be your provider. He wants to be your source. He wants, to, he wants to do things in you so that you are productive in life and successful and fruitful in life. All right. I didn't, I'm, no tomatoes or anything being thrown at me yet. So uh, I guess I'm safe. Ushers, guard me after the service. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, when you need, we could talk about a lot of different areas. When you need comfort in your life, I'm just troubled. I just need comfort. Where do you go? Well, I just go to my spouse. Stop. Spouse has place, but not, they should not take the place of God. There sh- he is where our help comes from. And it needs to be our habit that if I want something, desire, I need fulfillment. I need comfort. He is my comforter. He is my helper. He is my strength. Lord, I'm going to you. Not I'm going to immediately run to a movie. I'm going to immediately run to some alcohol. I'm immediately going to run to sex. I'm going to immediately run to these things that, that bring comfort or satisfaction in my life. No. Why don't you go close the door for a while? Why don't you go take your Bible along with you, go sit in a chair and close your eyes and, uh, and, and, and think about the Lord and fellowship and commune with Him. Say, Lord, I make you the source and the strength of my life. You comfort me when I need it. You help me when I need help. You are my deliverer when I need deliverance and freedom. You are my everything. And so I refuse to be moved by this. I look to you and you minister to me as I minister to you and, and, and draw upon the strength of God. Is this the real thing? Is, is, are the things in the Scripture true? Or is He distant and unrelatable to us? I tell you what, He wants to meet with you. He wants to have, have communion with you. Right there in the car. Right there in your office. Right there in your bedroom. He's everywhere. Draw upon the grace of God. Come on, let's use these things for our benefit and for the world's help. When you need strength in life, you know, is it, is it just a vitamin that you need? Is it just a Red Bull that you need? Is it, is it just some, I need to put something in me. Do I just need a, a you know, a, a espresso, you know, like triple shot espresso or something like that? Well, I'm not saying those things are sin and you can't drink that stuff if you, you know, 
need that or, or want that, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but I'm telling you, don't let that thing become your God. I need that. Uh, I, you know, I have, a, I have a friend who, um, and I like him. He loves God and everything. He's a good Christian. Uh, but if he doesn't have his coffee in the morning, he's toast. <laughs> I mean, he'll even admit it. And, uh, uh, you know, if he doesn't get his coffee, just stay away. <laughs> it's not, I'm not opposed to him drinking coffee or anyone else drinking coffee for that matter. But really? I mean, do we want to be that dependent? Or if I don't get it, I'm just out of sorts all day and everyone's in trouble and, and I'm not going to be myself? Say, so I don't really like that. Well, <laughs> I'm just talking. Where do you go when you need love? Where do you go when you need acceptance? Where do you go when you need meaning and purpose for your life? I'm telling you, there is nothing in this world or in this life that we need that God isn't the supplier of, that He isn't the source of. And these things are revealed. It is revealed the place that God holds in our heart when we want something, who we go to, who we look to, who we follow after. I want to read one last scripture here today. It's Psalm 121. And this can give us some, uh, some help in these areas. I want to encourage you. God wants to show himself strong in your life. He wants to be your everything. He wants to be your strength. He wants to be your, your healing, your provision, your comfort, your strength and your love. The meaning and pur- purpose that you have in life. He wants to be that. And He will work in you to want those things and to want them from Him. He's working in you right here, right now. I can prophesy to every single one of us because the Word of God gives me that word. God is at work in you right now. He is at work in you right here this very moment to want these things and to look to Him to get them. All right? He's at work in us to want and work. So we will look to Him to get these things. But we just have to yield. We give place and we give Him that place in our lives. Because here's the thing. Why does He want us to want those things from Him? Because He wants to give them to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did He work in us and all of a sudden we started having a desire, we started thinking about the Lord more. We started, we went out and got a Bible. We went out, we, we, we started praying. We started thinking about, we started watching a TV preacher or, or you know, we, why did we start to do that at some point? It was God who was at work in us. Many times there were others praying, but it was God who was work, working in us so that we would start seeking something so that the end result would be that God could do in us what he wanted to do the whole time. He always wanted you to be strong and well and full of joy and a vital part of His kingdom and in tight communion and relationship with Him. He always wanted that. And so He worked in you until you yielded. And some of us are still deciding if we're going to yield, huh? But then ongoing and continually, He wants to work in us so that we lean on Him, we rest in Him, we find our strength and our victory in Him every day. Psalm 121, here we go. Ready? Whole chapter. Verse 1. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence my help, from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. 
Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Where does your help come from? Let's seek the Lord. Let's make that commitment. Let's set our heart on Him and only Him. And let, let, let the answer come. The answer that's right. The help that is necessary. Stand up with me today as we worship the Lord. Father, we're so thankful. We set our heart and our mind on You. We take this time to quiet our minds, to focus in on you. Lord, we give you this place in our hearts. We give you this place in our minds. We refuse to be led astray by anything else of this world. We will not give this world the place that only you can hold. We will not violate the covenant and the relationship that we have with you. But even right here, right now, Father, we receive strength. We receive healing. We receive direction. We receive fulfillment by your hand and none other. We acknowledge you in all of our ways. In Jesus' name.